So, a traditional Jewish, Christian, and Muslim... We've enjoyed a little bit of the wine religions uh-huh. in the last month. Sure have. Well, now we have to abandon the wine religions in favor of the beer religions. Ooh. I like beer. <laughs> Not a fan of either. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I don't drink. Nope. As I take a sip of water. <laughs> it's just water, everyone. He has not turned it into wine successfully yet, so... I don't have that kind of power. Nope. <laughs> yep, so we are, on this episode, we are talking about Norse religion. On this week's episode of the, the Holy, Holy Watermelon, watermelon Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I mean, I knew a little bit about Norse religion. But I did not know enough to know how accurate Marvel is. <laughs> uh, there's there's a couple of details they got right, and a lot of the names and things. Like I did, I literally <laughs> thought Ragnarok was made up for the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. See, I had read the prose edda a few years ago before I started my degree, so I knew a little bit, but. It's it's actually really frustrating how much Marvel screws up. Well, we'll have to dig into <laughs> we'll have to point it out as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's really interesting that the Norse didn't have a word for religion. Honestly, most cultures didn't have a word for religion before they got exposed to Christianity. Yeah, before there was this big shift in religion from polytheism, polytheism to monotheism. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. So what we call the Norse religion, they just called the old custom in contrast to the new custom, which was Christianity. Mm. And so there was the old gods and the new gods. The new gods being the Christian gods. Because right. <laughs> things are always complicated. <laughs> so unlike the Romans and the Greeks... Norse, the Norse never achieved the same level of imperial power. No, they mostly just went around raiding camps when they were looking to expand. Raiding camps <laughs> and stealing women. And not just women. They stealing steal men everyone. For, and children for slaves, too. So they <laughs> didn't collect gods the same way that the Greeks and Romans did. No, it's actually really, really frustrating trying to figure out how the religion... The, the old customs evolved because we don't have a lot of documentation for that time period. And frustratingly, we have even less from their neighbors. So we've just kind of mostly got what was written after they were exposed to Christians. Yep. Yeah. And then what Mark will do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Which muddied the waters. (laughs) So instead of having a bunch of separate henolatric cults like we saw in Greece and Rome, the North Germanic people seem to have been truer polytheists than the others. But of course they weren't monolithic either. Things 
were different from one area to the next. Uh, the people in North Norway were a little different from the people in South Sweden, that kind of deal. Nice use of alliteration. Right? You didn't have to do that. I love that. And just like any of these old religions, the Norse religion didn't rely on a holy book or any sort of sacred texts. It was a entirely, I mean, an entirely oral tradition. But just like Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey for the, the Greek mythology, the Eddas are written records of the Norse mythology. Yeah, the Elder Poetic Edda is estimated to date back about a thousand years. It was compiled more recently than that, but individual poems that build up the whole are older. And because it's poetic, way too much of it is way too ambiguous for outsiders, which is, of course, everybody now that it's been a thousand years. It's interesting to me that's such an old religion was, and I mean, when we talk about the prose Edda, it's even newer, that was compiled so recently. Right. And there's a younger Edda uh, called the Prose Edda, because it's a lot less poetic, written by a fella named Snorri. He wrote it in the early 1200s, and it's way easier to understand. But yeah, it's weird that it was only that recent that things started being written down when writing was actually a very powerful thing for them. Yeah, and I mean, the 1200s, like, that part of the world would have been fully Christian by then. So to even, like, take it on at that time seems kind kind of odd, right? It is odd. It'd probably be seen as heretical. (laughs) And again, it's probably another 2,000 plus years older than, than the time it was written. It could be. Or compiled. I mean, it's it's really hard to say really how old these traditions are. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of old mystery schools or cults like we saw in, in Greece. There doesn't seem to be any secret knowledge among the Norse peoples. Or at least there isn't ev- any evidence today. None of the, If there was any, it hasn't survived at all. The elves have it. Maybe. <laughs> My dad was reading, I forget what book my dad was reading, but it was talking about how in Iceland that, like, they still, like, genuinely believe in elves and that they have to get, like, elf permits for any sort of uh, property development. And so he showed him that clip from, uh... From Eurovision? From Eurovision, where the, where the elf <laughs> knifes the guy in the back. Ah, oh, I love it. Right? What a ridiculous way for that bit of the story to get tied up. Right? I, oh, that made me so happy. It was great. Perfect. <laughs> and, yeah, there's... Kind of a lot going on culturally around this old custom. There are dwarves and elves and trolls and all kinds of figures that are just part of the story that never really interact religiously. It's just part of the custom. Yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. It's interesting that, yeah, there's no stories about trolls per se, but it was... I guess it's, yeah, kind of implied that they... I mean, there are stories about giants, and we'll get into that, but Mm -hmm. that they exist right alongside these gods in Asgard. Yeah. Uh, There were three basic classes among the Old Norse. You had the Jarls, uh, which are basically noble folk. You had the Karls. That's how we get the French name Charles, fairly common among our people today. Uh, and that name means free people. And then you had the thralls, the slaves who 
were occasionally offered up as sacrifices, but that wasn't their most useful application. It was far better to keep them around for labor. Right? <laughs> there were no priests, really. Um, a handful of regions have different words that are usually treated like priest, but any person could offer sacrifices, and group ceremonies were typically led by the head of the family or the village leader. So these words that we usually treat like priest seem more appropriate to apply to teachers or shamanic fortune tellers, things like that, rather than how you would see a priest today in the Christian tradition. Nice. Now tell me about blood. <laughs> uh, so bloat is a word that means blessing, but the every way that it's used, it basically is... A sacrifice. And these sacrifices, like we've seen in a lot of religions, when you really boil down what's going on, these are big community barbecues or sometimes just small family meals. The sacrifices would, could be offered for literally any occasion. It could be to celebrate a wedding, to prepare for a voyage, to hope for the best at the time of a birth. Literally anything. If you wanted to make sure things were going to go well, a sacrifice just kind of made a sense. A barbecue just helps everything. Uh, so the animal was killed, and the party would eat the animal. Yum. Bigger events deserved bigger sacrifices, fed more people. Uh, sacrifices were offered freely rather than required by the gods. Certain gods would prefer certain kinds of animals. And these were offered with the hope of divine generosity. That, hey, out of nowhere, I'm just going to offer this thing to Odin in the hopes that God's going to be generous to me and give me what I need. Kind of a deal. It was an offering for a trade instead of a, I owe you this thing, and as a covenant deal, you're going to bless me with this thing. Yeah, I, I kind of like that better. Right? It but. also leaves a little bit of space for the gods to still be like, Nah, <laughs> I don't want to help you with this thing. Right. You haven't done enough for me yet. Yeah. Um, human sacrifices are really actually still a matter of contention among scholars, but many agree that it was mostly done in connection with war during the Viking Age specifically, and not actually common in most communities. There was no schedule for sacrifices, so the North Germanic peoples actually never had any use for the idea of a week like we're familiar with today. They didn't name the days because there was no necessary cycle. Time was... is a construct. <laughs> yeah, uh, for most of them, the day was actually counted in the, the way we see it in the old Hebrew tradition of a new day starts when the current day dies. So at sunset. Mm. Uh, but other than that... They, they didn't worry about time so much, apart from yearly cycles, which makes sense. Take care of the seasons. Don't worry about weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes tons of sense. How do you know when it's a birthday, though? I don't think they really worried about okay. birthdays. It's, based it's a very modern thing. From the impression that I've been getting, they didn't worry about it. I You would count the days of the cycle, like yeah, for I the mean, season, yeah, but... they would know the equinoxes and the solstices. Yeah, as most people did back then. Right. Yeah, but there was no Monday until the Romans made their social connections, and then Monday became a thing. 
So the names that we have for weekdays now are born from kind of a Norse butchering of the Roman system. Uh, they didn't even bother to come up with anything to replace Saturn for Saturday. Uh, we like the sound of the Saturn. I think they just couldn't think of anything. I like the sound of the Saturn. Yeah. But Sunday, Monday, the sun and the moon. Super simple. And then we get the one to the Thor. I don't know why they're Italian, but... Uh, and then we got Tears Day. Uh, and some people pronounce it Tear. And so that's how we got Tuesday. And then we get the one to the Tear. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> and then Wooden. And then Thur. And then Freya. And then that Saturday that they had no idea what to rename it. None of these sound like uh, red gloves. There, there were a handful of scholars that nobody really seems to be taking seriously on the matter that think that Seder was a figure among the Norse. And there's a couple of people who are like, no, no, it was Surtur. But no, no, it's, it is Saturn. They just didn't rename the day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I like the sound of the Saturn. <laughs> I guess. They like the Italian names. You know what we should do? Is start a movement to rename Saturday Boar's Day. Because Saturn is the father of Jupiter uh-huh. in the Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. And Boar is the father of Odin. So, we can follow that scheme and just go ahead and replace Saturn with Boar. Right? Okay, we'll start a petition. We don't don't have a day of the week that starts with B yet. And And we have two that start with T and two that start with S. Right? What? We can chop this confusion in half by having a weekday that starts with B. Yep. Boar's Day. Boar's Day. It's the best day of the weekend. Our episodes are released (laughs) two days after Boar's Day. Exactly. (laughs) Another really important part of the old custom was sade, uh, which means tether or bind or rope. It's a word that we're still figuring out what really is the precise translation of the word. But basically, it it's the thing that ties everything together. The it's force. magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the force. Yeah. And so it's basically used to find secrets, uh, discern the future, but also predict the future. And so this divination was really important, like it was everywhere else when you look at all these other old religions. But it seems like it was mostly women that were really involved in this practice of discerning the future. Um, Odin is supposed to have learned it from Freya, rather than being the fount of this gift on his own, which is Kind of a cool touch, I think. Uh, sorry, I thought you were going to say something. I was like, I thought you were going to say something, so I stopped myself. <laughs> I was just going to say that the women in Norse mythology are pretty badass. But they're they also are. pretty badass in Greek and Roman, too. Yeah. <clears throat> I think monotheism wrecked that all for us women. I don't think it's the monotheism so much as the people who are pushing Wait, it on others. Fair. <laughs> fair. Runes were also really important. They were thought to be very, very powerful. It is said in an old poem that the right rune could make a, den- a dead man walk again. So there's all kinds of study on on these old forms of writing 
that had ritual value. And even though this writing was super important, we actually have really minimal ancient records about this tradition. We find rocks here and there with things inscribed on them, but it's not like big theological writings or anything. It's just Thor protect us kind of deal yeah. that we'll find written on a rock somewhere. Which, it's it's interesting to look back and see how long ago they've been talking about Thor, but it doesn't give us a whole lot more information than that. No, and, and I will get... Um, next segment, we'll talk about specific gods, and there are some that I found that they're basically like, we don't know anything about this guy, but it was important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... He's mentioned twice in the Edda, and that's it, but... <laughs> Based off of who he was in the Pantheon, we think he was important. I read that a few times. Right. Well, we had the same problem with the Romans, that even their scholars before the fall of the Republic, they're like, these are the gods that we have official nationally paid priests offering to these gods. And we can't remember who two of them are. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. Right? It's kind of weird. Like, they lost track of who they were before the Empire took over the Republic's place. Uh, yeah, weird. <laughs> Another part of the old tradition, the old custom, is their philosophy, which has actually not really died out. The philosophy still remains an important part of the culture in Scandinavia today. Um, basically, it's well, completely free from theological dogma, the goal of life is to find happiness. This is best done through the virtues of independence, hospitality, loyalty, modesty, generosity, courage, and wisdom. Independence comes from wisdom. Wisdom comes from travel. Kind of nifty. I like mm -hmm. it. It really encourages you to get out and see the world, mm -hmm. which more people should be doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And something else that was really important to them was the idea that there is no escaping fate. Fate was decided by the Norns, and even the gods couldn't escape Ragnarok. They knew it was coming. They have all these details foretold. Ragnarok is still in the future, as far as we can tell, according to their writings. What about the hit movie from... <laughs> 2017? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Loosely based on the ideas of the prophecy. Not a faithful representation of the story at all. No, because nobody's supposed to survive it. Oh, there are survivors. Oh, that's true. There are there survivors. There are survivors. But... <laughs> the Hulk's not involved in the Edda. He never shows up. Nope. There should have been a Beta Ray Bill, though. <laughs> you'll, you'll know who that is soon enough. Oh, dear. But... Yeah, fate's super important. You just accept it. But it's interesting that this idea that there's no escaping the fates has actually really encouraged people to be bold and go out and do great things. So that's cool. I mean, that I mean that just reminds me of, have you seen Big Fish? No, I don't think oh, I have. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah? Anyway, it's not a huge plot point, but Hugh uh, <laughs> McGregor's character is asked if he wants to know how he's going to die. Right? And on the surface, most people be like, no, I don't want to, I don't know how I'm going to die. He's like, yeah, because if I know how I'm going to die, then I know I can survive anything else. Sure. 
right? So <laughs> it takes place in the past. So he does like the most dangerous World War II missions so he can finish his service faster and get home to his wife because mm-hmm. he knows how he dies. And it's not in World War II. So part of me is like, yeah, I can kind of see like if you know how it's going to end, then you probably enjoy it more. Would you rather know how or when? Ooh, I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather know when. Yeah. Because how then I would try everything to avoid the how and you right. be able to avoid the how. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas if you know when, then you can just like live your best life until then, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, you're gonna die in a plane crash, well, then you'll never go on a plane again. Right. Maybe it's the next one, or maybe it's one thirty years from now. Right. Whereas if it's like, you're going to die 30 years from now, then it's like, cool, I can do whatever I want until for 30 years. Right. Instead of trying to avoid chocolate or <laughs> cars or mm-hmm. cigarettes, whatever it is. Anyway. But what if when was changeable, but also, uh, like, you're immediate? <laughs> um, well, immediate would be really upsetting, but again, I think it, like... Then you know, right? Then you stop paying your mortgage, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> the changeable changes. That's too many variables. Because right. that's probably exactly Fate what we're Fate is crazy. Right now. It's such a big mind issue. <laughs> Drop in our Discord whether you want to know how or when you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Terrible things. Terrible thoughts. Yeah. Let's keep it positive, though. Put a gif in there of how you think you're going to die. I'm just reminded of this thing I've seen on Reddit a few times now over the last couple of years of this lady walks up to this box and says, put your finger in here and it'll tell you how you're going to die. And she hesitates a little bit, but she puts her finger in there and gets this little piece of paper out and it just says old age. Gets this big old smile on her face, starts skipping down the, across the street Hit by a guy in a car. You see the guy? Old guy. Oh, no. That wasn't <laughs> Old age enough. That was... Yeah, it's rough. Uh... <laughs> Prophecy can often be very vague and entirely useless right. or self-fulfilling in the most irritating way. Yes. <laughs> All right. So who the heck were these old gods? Well, there were two groups of gods. Well, I mean, it's it's more complicated than just saying there's two of them. There's an awful lot of groups of powerful beings, but the ones that are usually called gods are the Aesir, the Asgardians, or the Vanir, which don't have a common name in Marvel yet, as far as I've heard. No. And the, the Vanir <laughs> split off from the Aesir, is my understanding. Okay. And then they fought each other. There are some thoughts that they were actually the gods of a rival nation. That, but because we have so little information from the earliest points of this developing history, we actually don't know when it's mostly all guesswork. <laughs> so, again, none of these gods were repurposed for any sort of Christian use. No, they, none of them turned into saints like the old Roman gods did. A lot of Christian saints are actually just repurposed Roman gods. We'll take a look at that later this year. <laughs> um, and again, uh, as Pastor mentioned, these two groups, they would fight and intermarry, but they were 
equally matched in all things. So eventually a truce had to happen because they realized no one was going to win. Nice, perfect match. Yeah. <laughs> Break down your walls and accomplish nothing else. Okay. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the theories I read is that this war that appears in the Edda is actually a retelling of something that actually happened mm -hmm. um, in Scandinavia thousands of years ago. Uh, yeah, a lot of scholars are actually pretty convinced that Odin was a real person, just some ancestor of royal line. And it makes good sense to me, actually. So. Euhemerism can be really tricky trying to figure out how the gods are connected to real things. Like some of them are just the personification of the sun. Some of them are real people made divine by tradition. Odin, it seems really easy to say that he was a real person. Absolutely. Um, so most of the popular, popular well-known Norse gods are part of the Aesir. That's Odin, Frigg. Uh, Hodor, Thor, Balder, all fall in there. And very few of the Vanyar are named, but the three that constantly come up are Njord, Frey, and Freya. And they're a little family, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah. And just like Greek and Roman, they, the gods have human emotions, they're anthropomorphic, and they are deeply flawed. There's no, um, like you see in monotheism, all good, benevolent, righteous, knows all, omniscient role model here. <laughs> In fact, there's some that I would say do not use as a role model, even a little bit. Uh, Zeus was the Loki. great example a couple episodes ago. Loki is a great example in this one. And Loki, again, a great example of gods that there's no evidence of anybody ever worshipping them. A lot of these gods actually fit into that category where they're part of the story, they're counted as divine, but nobody actually offered them sacrifices or prayed to them or or worshipped them in any way that looks like worship to us. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and we don't really have a parallel in the monotheistic um, religion because, like, yeah, you could pick a random character from the Bible and be like, yeah, well, we don't worship... Zadok. <laughs> but we also don't call him a god. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to pick my most favorite random name from the Bible. Sure. <laughs> uh, right, but yeah, exactly. He's not divine. So it is interesting to have a powerful being that is not being worshipped. Mm -hmm. That obviously could influence a mortal's life. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, well, um, earthquakes are thought to be connected to Loki. So he certainly is a, a figure of power in the world that influences us. Still didn't get worshipped. Yeah. And then Preston mentioned earlier, but varying from region to region, town to town, smaller deities and ancestor worship were also common. So actually that's where absolutely Odin could be. Just someone's ancestor. Yeah. Clan's leader. Yeah. There, in addition to the gods, there was also this phenomenon of land whites. Whites, W-I-G-H-T-S. The ghosts and spirits of the land, the forest, or sometimes even a whole region, or sometimes just the corner of a farm. They could have 
all kinds of different sizes of area of influence, which I thought was kind of interesting to, to come across. But people would make offerings to these spirits just like they would to the gods. Nice. Yeah. Now, I think I have about a dozen of the gods summarized. You're going to have to help me with some of the names. Sure. Mostly Thor's hammer. <laughs> Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Not Mew Mew. <laughs> Mew Mew. <laughs> uh, I might still call that. Uh, I'm going to start with Thor. Everybody's favorite brawny, hammered, wielding hunk. Hunk, hunk. That's what my notes. Everybody's favorite brawny, hammer, wielding hunk. <laughs> he is the god of thunder, storms, trees, protection, and fertility. <laughs> yeah, he is. Literally, I'm picturing Hemsworth, of so. course you're picturing Chris Hemsworth. He has played Thor for more hours of screen time than anybody else has, as far as I'm aware. Yep. So it makes sense that he's the face that comes to mind. But traditionally, Thor was a chubby redhead, no. not a intensely Hammer. fit blonde. <laughs> so Thor is the son of Odin and Yord. Not Frigg, like in the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. He is the most prominently mentioned god in the history of the Germanic peoples. So we actually have tons and tons of information on Thor, which is nice. It's a breath of fresh air than some of the one paragraph things I found on <laughs> some of these people. He swings around Mew Mew. <laughs> Mjolnir. Mjolnir. And he is the defender of Asgard from the Jotnar. 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 There are, like, there's tons and tons of stories about Thor, and we could probably do a whole episode on him or write a bunch of Marvel movies. Maybe. They're clearly not done with him. Right? <laughs> One story I want to see is Thor, cross-dresser. <laughs> Tell me more. This was just so good, I had to include it. So, settle in for this, kitties. <laughs> Thor woke up one morning to find Mjolnir missing, <gasps> which isn't good because how the heck is he going to defend Asgard from the giants? So the goddess Freya gives Thor and Loki some falcon feathers to help them find the hammer. Loki, being a shapeshifter, takes his feather and turns into a falcon and heads to Jotunheim. After he arrives, he quickly realizes that the giants have stolen it. The chief of the giants, Therm, told Loki that he did indeed have the hammer, but he wasn't going to return it until he could marry Freya. Rude. Right? <laughs> Whatever happened to consent? Consent and, like, like, there's, I mean, even then, there's, like, got to be a transaction and got to get Njord involved because it's her dad. You can't just steal a hammer that right. has no connection to Freya. <laughs> right. And then ask for her animal. So now, when Loki flies back to Asgard to tell everyone this, no one is happy about it. So Heimdall suggests that Thor, good old Heimdall, mm -hmm. that Thor disguises himself as Freya and head to Jotunheim to take back his hammer. Thor wasn't really feeling too much into the cross-dressing thing. But Loki, <laughs> being Loki and his pal, says that he'll cross-dress with him and pretend to be his maidservant. <laughs> so now we have Thor and Loki, dressed as women, heading to Jotunheim. So 
Firm is super excited that he gets to marry Freya. So he holds a big feast. Thor, being Thor, eats an entire ox and drinks many barrels of mead, which makes Thurm rightfully suspicious about how much his future wife eats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Sneaky Loki, he smooth, talk, smooth talks their way out of it and hastens the ceremony on. So Mjolnir is called upon to hallow the union. Thor grabs it and kills Thurm, all while dressed as a beautiful blushing bride. <laughs> the end. That's great. Right? How come that is not made into a movie or a one-shot? That'd be a great time. Right? <laughs> so yes, there's lots of great stories about Thor. Highly enjoyable. God of Thunder. Protector of Asgard. Mew Mew. <laughs> the name Thor is basically the word that means thunder as well. So not terribly inventive name, but nice and easy for people to remember. I mean, we called people Mason. Right. And they were Masons. Right. So <laughs> Thunder, my son. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we name our kids a lot dumber things now than True story. <laughs> it's a wonderful world we live in. <laughs> That, actually, that's probably something in your scope of words, but like, as you know, I don't know if we're going to include this, but as you know, I'm being zealot. Mm-hmm. And they like, didn't even have last names. So they just like described people based off their relationships to others or what they did. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. of Nazareth or James, brother of the one who says he is Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like everyone had the name, like everyone was fucking named Mary. How do we go from Mary to like Absidy? You know what I mean? Where, like, everyone was named Mary, and then all of a sudden we just got way too creative. What happened? I don't know. (laughs) I think people just got tired of having seven Chris's in one class. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, people just, like, threw sounds together to make new names. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, if anyone's a name specialist, let me know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Karen. Uh, Odin is next on our list. He's associated with wisdom, death, healing, royalty, and war. He's the husband of Frigg. He's portrayed as a fellow with one eye and a great beard. And he has lots of animal friends. He's got ravens, thought and memory, or Hugin and Munin. Uh, he's also got two wolves, Gary and Freki. I can't remember what their names mean off the top of my head right now. They also accompany him most places, except for when he's really serious about being incognito. (laughs) And these animals bring him information from Midgard. Uh, He's also often pictured riding Sleipnir, an eight-legged horse, which sounds terrifying and spider-like. But let's, let's fix that image by saying, wherever you'd expect one leg... There's just two. Again, doesn't make it any less creepy. <laughs> no, but easier than imagining a spider with a horse's head. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this ridiculous horse later <laughs> and who its mother is. <laughs> Odin watches over Valhalla, a hall in Asgard where half of those who die in battle are summoned. 
and it seems kind of weird. We'll we'll talk more about those details. We'll talk about later the other too. half. Yeah. Um, Odin is a shapeshifter. Uh, he likes wandering around, um, and he is the one telling the story through much of the Edda. That he is just in disguise, just pretending to be this old wise fella, not letting you know until after you're done talking to him that it's the All Father. And as we mentioned before, an awful lot of scholars are pretty sure he was a real person. Next, we move on to Frigg, who is the Queen of Asgard and wife of Odin. She is associated with marriage, motherhood, and prophecy. She resides in the marshlands called Fensalir. So she has three children, Baldur, Hodor, and Hermog. And Frigg was known for being very smart, and this is, you know, something that they do do in the movies. Uh, Odin often asked her advice, and she can see into the future, but rarely did she ever tell anyone what she actually saw. It sounds like she's got a little bit of a Cassandra complex, where she can see the future, and no do believe her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mom. <laughs> uh, next on our list, we have good guy Balder. Everyone likes Balder. He's incredibly handsome, according to the Edda. Uh, so handsome that it's like his face shines. Kind of like um, what we hear about Moses sometimes. Except nobody got confused and said they were horns on his forehead. <laughs> it's just a mistranslation. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird tradition that people have gotten really committed to. <laughs> um, Balder is Odin's son with Frigg. Not the same relationship th with Thor. It's weird that we haven't seen Balder yet in the Marvel movies. Well, and, and in, there isn't a lot written about Balder in no. the Eddas, which is really interesting when you think that, you know, his dad was Odin and his mom was Frigg right. and everyone liked him. But that's basically all the Eddas say about him. And then the next point you'll... This is the next right. big point about his, <laughs> his cameo. Right. So it was supposed to be his death that sets off the chain of events that lead to Ragnarok. Unfortunately, Marvel treated it differently, and his father's death kind of triggered all of that. Bit of a bummer leaving out what is historically an important character in the story. Well, and then they add Hela, which I couldn't find any record of her in... In the story of Ragnarok? Well, in... in... At oh, all. And, yeah. Even in the list of gods and goddesses, I couldn't find Hela. Her relationship sure to the gods is kind of funky. I mean, Loki is barely a god, and. Well, let's look at Loki. <laughs> let's look at Loki. So, Loki is a lot like Zeus in that he'll have sex with literally anything in the shape of literally anything. Mm hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Great for parties, I guess? Yes. I mean, the stories. Yeah, he's great for parties. <laughs> he was friendly with the other gods until he masterminds the death of Baldur, which, as Preston mentioned, is the first event that leads to Ragnarok. And the MCU portrays his character qualities well in that he is self-serving, playful, and mischievous. He is a shapeshifter. Uh, but it completely changes how he fits into his family. Loki is a Jodan, cousin and adopted brother to Odin, and Loki is the father of Hel or Hela, and her wolf Fenrir. Yep, Loki is the father of that wolf Fenrir. <laughs> I was like, did I read that right? Yeah, it's Loki a mess. Loki fathered a wolf. Really good. It gets even weirder, though. Loki <laughs> is 
the father of the chaos monster known as Yormungandr. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Who is the serpent? Oh, and he. this is the serpent that was a big deal for Thor. This was yes. like Thor's arch nemesis. Yes, the world serpent. The, the world serpent. The snake big enough to wrap around the world just chills out in the ocean and is kind of the source of a lot of chaos in the world. Yes. And then it gets even weirder. He is also the mother of Sleipnir. That's right, everyone. He mothered a horse. Yeah, good old Loki decided, hey, I need to have sex with this stallion. So I need to be appealing to this stallion. And then he remained a mare long enough to carry an eight-legged horse to term, which sounds like hell. Can you imagine being that horny? <laughs> to desperately need stallion wiener? <laughs> to need stallion wiener so bad that you're willing to turn into a girl stallion and stay a girl stallion and give birth to an eight-legged horse. Catherine the Great is jealous. <laughs> Catherine the Great is jealous. As is Mr. Hens. Because <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I don't know anything about farm animals, Preston. This is your world. But I'm pretty sure legs are like the dangerous part about giving birth. They get caught on things. Uh, yeah, there is a and risk. So having There's a risk, twice yeah. as many legs coming out of your horse vagina. Well, and interestingly enough, birth has always been thought of just uh, without counting legs as a very dangerous experience that sacrifices would be given before somebody gives birth. Loki choosing to go through this seems really weird. You really want that horse dick. <laughs> really wanted that horse stick. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, now that's in all of our heads. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to try and move on, but I don't know if it's possible. So Luffy is Loki's mother, and she was never described as a Yoden, but instead as a goddess. But his father, Farbauti, Far Farbauti, was a Yoden. Yeah. I don't know why Marvel has done this weird thing of making Laufey Loki's father. That's really weird. <laughs> is it when you turn into a mare and have sex with a <laughs> Is it? Is that the weirdest thing they could have done, Preston? I think uh, you need to readjust your perspective. It, it's just weird. Every weird... They've completely changed Loki's story and saved us from the more graphic parts of his story, I guess. But they've just destroyed everything about how he relates to the Asgardians. It's just kind of weird. Uh, next on our list, we have Njord. He was a Vanir, god of the wind and the sea. He was also the god of wealth, bestowal, and prosperity. He married his sister and fathered two kids, Freya and Freyr. He then had a failed marriage with the giant goddess Skadi. And we don't really know a lot more about so him. That's kind of it. Yeah. Then we have Freya, which we do know a little bit more about. She's one of the Vanir. She's associated with love, beauty, sex, war, and gold. So Ooh. kind of our Aphrodite, if you will. A little bit. But she's better than Aphrodite. You know why? Tell me. Because she rides a chariot pulled by cats. <laughs> now, are we talking house cats? Or meow, are we talking meow, 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 meow. I don't actually know. I didn't look it up, but I always, I, assume, imagine, I always imagine them being mountain lions. I literally always assume them to be house cats. <laughs> okay, do I need them? Google. 
I'm Googling a picture, but I really, if it's not house cats, I'm going to be upset. It's house cats! It's house cats, everyone! Meow, meow, meow! Uh, meow! What we have here meow! is a couple of, I mean, meow. large tabbies. They're not mountain lions, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> These are old, like not these. Are, I mean, some, these aren't even just weird cat girls. Sorry, weird cat girls. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> these aren't even just weird cat girls hoping it's cats. Even the older pictures show cats, and I am so happy right now. Uh, you know what? I, I guess I'm on board now. <laughs> Slightly less exciting, but more adorable. <laughs> No, I mean, I was going to go into what her other mode Oh, okay, go so for it. slightly less exciting than the cat chariot. She also rode a boar with golden bristles. So mm -hmm. she she's pimp my ride. She knew, she was cool. She was cool. <laughs> her, mm -hmm. her twin brother is Frere, as Preston mentioned. She has a husband, Odor, and two kids, Nas and Gersemi. She resides in the heavenly fields of Folkfinger, where she picks, she picks half the warriors that die in battle, and then the others, the leftovers, go to Odin's Valhalla. See, I didn't, when I was reading, it sounded like Odin's Valkyries picked the half they wanted and the rest went to Oh, see, Frey. I read that this was an honor bestowed on her that she gets to pick. Gets to pick. Well, I feel like... This is a similar problem that we've had with other things where ancient sources also varied. Right. <laughs> and then, even just in the similarity of names, there are some theories and scholars that suggest that Freya and Frigg stem from the same person or source. Makes sense. Their names are pretty similar. It's, a, it's pretty easy to jump on that assumption and there, it requires more work. <laughs> But it could be true. Might not be. I mean, we're, we'll never know. Yeah. At this but point. But Frey never got a cat chair. Just saying. <laughs> right. Uh, Freyr, as we mentioned before, uh, the brother of Freya, he is associated with fertility, rain, and sunshine. And also associated with the boar as well. Um, so he, those were sacrifices that he was happy to receive. Just like his sister. We have Tyr and Aesir, seen by the Romans as the ethnic equivalent to Mars, or the god of war. He defended Asgard from the great wolf Fenrir, who bit off his hand. It seems like the most powerful gods get to lose bits of their body in Norse mythology. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he's often overlooked by modern-day enthusiasts. Enthusiasts? Excuse me. He was often overlooked by modern enthusiasts, but was important enough to have a name, a day named after him. Yeah. Cheers Day. Yeah. That's a, a weird way to pronounce that, but yeah, that's what we it's got. It's Tuesday. Yeah. And there's an R in it, so I'm just... Yeah. Cheers Day. The, the Anglo-Saxons really dropped that R, and it was more of a T. Cheers Day. Yeah. And next on our list, actually kind of the, a nice way to wrap up our list of the, the important gods. Because there's loads more if you want. There are lots of minor gods. There's personifications of things we see in the sky. The, there was Saul and Mun, who were the sun and the moon. 
Um, but back on track, last of our lists that we really actually have some stories about is Heimdall, who in the Eddas is described as the whitest of the Asgardians. I love Idris Elba. I do. And he killed it as Heimdall. But he but, would not be described as white. Right? No. I mean, he's the blackest Asgardian, which, <laughs> I mean, he killed it. He was a great Heimdall. But it would have made more sense to have somebody really pale, like maybe Conan O'Brien <laughs> as Heimdall. Or Conan O'Brien. I don't know. It's just... But he's such a badass, so it doesn't even matter. And I don't Heimdall, care. I enjoyed Heimdall so much. I enjoyed Idris Elba so much. Yeah. He was great. It's just that he was the exact opposite of the one defining detail of Heimdall as being the whitest of the Asgardians. But his job, like we saw in the very popular films, was to watch over Asgard, protecting it from invaders... And to really just chill out where the Bifrost met the sky. And so, of course, he was there for Ragnarok. And he has kind of a bad fate. Uh, he was born to nine mothers. Loki? <laughs> I mean, logistically, this sounds like a huge problem. It also makes perfect sense that he was just raised by nine sisters that that's easy enough to get on board with being born of nine mothers just, i don't get it but whatever <laughs> his mothers were the personification of waves of the sea which is actually a really cool image and old norse poetry also indicates that heimdall is the father of all mankind which maybe that's part of the inspiration for making him the darkest asgardian was that Pretty much all scholars agree that humanity came from Africa and not all humans should be white, which is something we'll talk about later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I do have a story. And it's a little bit more epic than the one we had about Thor. What? There's nothing more epic than <laughs> Katie picturing Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston cross-dressing for a uh, hammer. <laughs> uh, it is a great story, though. All right. So there's a pretty cool origin myth given to us in Norse mythology. There, And it's it's kind of tricky. A lot of people are actually starting to think that this was composed from a bunch of loose and separate ideas by Christians so that they could then later explain to the Norse people that you believe this thing and here's the Christian story that isn't wildly different. It's wildly different. Let's look at it. (laughs) So Ymir was born from the hot primordial mists that formed in the void between the rivers of Niflheim and the fires of Muspel. Niflheim is a great name. <laughs> uh, so Niflheim is the home of the mists. Muspel is hot, fiery nonsense. So Ymir is born from these mists, and he is the ancestor of the Jotnar, often translated as giants or trolls. 
but not necessarily large or ugly. Kind of a, a tricky thing. It's just these were this people that are actually also called gods, but they're not Vanir or Aesir. One one thing I read is kind of like the Titans compared yeah. to the Olympians. Right. That's really kind of the deal here. And <laughs> uh, the Jotnar just sprouted from Ymir's limbs while he was sleeping. Awkward. Yeah. Like, part of one of the poems says that one of his legs made babies with the other. It was really weird. The Basically, they just popped out of his body while he was sweating. It's weird that they mentioned that he was sweating. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't need more detail. And I didn't need that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, anyway, Ymir survived off of the milk of a cow that is also never, never properly explained. There just is a cow, and he gets milk from the cow. And the cow is just licking a stone until a dude pops out of it. <laughs> so, okay, this is a wild ride. Oh, it's a, it is a right. wild ride. <laughs> and so this cow's just licking this stone, and then there's a bunch of hair coming out of this stone. Ew. And the cow just keeps licking, because when its hair stopped a cow from licking. Never. <laughs> exactly. So after a day, it was hair. Another day, and... The cow has licked the rock enough that a full head is exposed. And presumably Emir is like, well, don't stop now. (laughs) (laughs) And in one more day, it was one day to get hair. It was one day to get the head. One more day, they got the rest of this dude's body out of the rock. The cow got really excited after that. I mean, it was either a determination or a small body and a big head deal. Oh, no. I'm more inclined to think it was the motivation. Let's go with that, because everything else is creepy. <laughs> this, well, and this dude is described as incredibly handsome. Mm. So, not likely to be the case if he had an itty-bitty body and a giant head. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but his name was Buri. Buri has a son. Nobody remembers how, for some reason. And his son is Bor. Bor marries a Yoden named Bestla. They have three sons, Odin, Vili, and Ve. Things get a little bit Greek when Odin and his brothers kill Ymir, and the blood floods the land to kill all but two of the Jotnar. And they use several parts of his body to build the world. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. His skull forms the firmament of the heavens. Uh, yeah, nasty stuff. <laughs> they weave his, or not weave, but spin his brains into fluff that makes the clouds in the sky. It's, it's super gross. I don't gross. want to live in this world. <laughs> uh, yeah, but also an oddly familiar thought when you look back to the Marvel Universe, nowhere is built in the head of a dead celestial. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, we're looking at a real mess here. (laughs) The three brothers form Ask and Embla, the first humans, from driftwood. Just stuff they find on the beach. So it's almost like humans are 
kind of an afterthought. I was going to say, I'm kind of offended, but that's fine. Right. And that's just this one version of the story, because, of course, I mentioned that a, n a different story says that Heimdall is the father of humans. So we've got some diversity of thoughts here. I'll be the child of Idris Elba. Thanks very much. I have a choice. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then in all of this cosmology, there is Yggdrasil, the world tree. Yggdrasil is an interesting name. It means Odin's horse. But it's a really weird turn of phrase meant to allude to how one rides the gallows mm. at their death. Mm. Because that is the tree upon which Odin hanged himself so that he could learn all the secrets of the cosmos. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the mythology behind all of this stuff is intense. Yes. <laughs> and the cosmology, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's kind of two pieces to this, which... Yeah. Uh, so this tree is a sacred ash tree at the center of the cosmos. It connects the nine realms. And the number is always nine in all the different sources, but not all of the sources, well, no source actually lists out these are what the nine realms are. But it just, we'll talk about them in various different stories. And so scholars have kind of settled on a list, but there are scholars that disagree on disagree. what that list is. Yeah, that's is. why I didn't include it, because I was like, I can't <laughs> find all nine. But. So I found a list that was put together in the 1920s that people have just kind of accepted, yeah, this is the list that we can work with, it's acceptable, and it works. Uh, first, we have Asgard, the home of the Aesir. It is above Midgard. Uh, Midgard is our home where humans live, also sometimes called Middle-earth. <gasps> Professor Tolkien was hugely influenced by Norse mythology. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> In fact, every single one of Bilbo's dwarf friends full-on plagiarized from Norse mythology. Aww. Every single one of them is a dwarf with a mythological story around him. <laughs> Uh, we also have Vanaheim, a separate world for gods, who are the Vanir. Um, also, it seems like land whites are thought to have come from Vanir. It's a thing. Uh, we also have Alfheim, the traditional home of the elves, when they're not chilling out, messing around with our stuff and cutting people's throats instead of letting them interfere with Eurovision. I was going to say, that was <laughs> so they could play at Eurovision president. Exactly. <laughs> we also have Svartalfheim, home of the Dark Elves. And there's a lot of racist thought that goes into how people look at Svartalfheim today. These are actually wildly different from what we saw in the Thor movie. The Dark Elves weren't weird and pale and evil. They were darker than pitch, like absolute black, which probably a little bit racist <laughs> and a little tricky. But so were regular elves. So it's weird that there's even a distinction. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the more racist thing is that you're separating yeah. them. Yeah. They're living yeah. segregated. Yeah, no. they were fully segregated. Oh, no. That is a problem. Uh, then there's also Nidavellir, uh, home of the dwarves. 
And this is where some things get a little bit tricky. A lot of scholars think that the dwarves and dark elves are actually the same people. And it's hard to say with any real certainty that they are fully separate. It's it's tricky. The, the poetic Edda is a part of this confusion. Uh, you have Jotunheim, the home of the Jotnar, the giants, the trolls. Uh, this is where Odin traded his eye to drink the water of wisdom. And, of course, more stories like that. And then the last two worlds, realms, are Muspelheim and Niflheim, the realm of primordial fire and the realm of primordial cold mists that I mentioned at the beginning of the origin story. Cool. Yeah. Nine realms. So we would be remiss to not talk about the afterlife when we're talking about a religion. So we will... Yeah, we're going to dive into that. And then we have a couple more things to to get into. Yeah. Ominous. Um, so while the many virtues are worthy pursuits in life, they have no effect on your eternal reward. So this is how those who die in battle are taken to Valhalla. The Hall of the Fallen the is the, the fall. literal transla translation of the name. Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah. They are led by the Valkyrie and are and prepare to support Odin in Ragnarok. That's what they're doing in Valhalla, is prepping for Ragnarok. Yeah, they're, they're getting ready to fight. Preppers. But also lots of great feasts, of course. They burned it. And I, Preston's notes say that they were chosen by Odin, but I read that uh, Freya <laughs> got to choose first, so I just skipped that part entirely. Fair enough. <laughs> the Fields of Folkvanger, or so it translates to the Folk Fields, is for those, the other half who fell in battle and were chosen by Freya. Or not chosen, we'll see. We don't know. Right. And they also get to rest and enjoy food and meat. Yeah. It's, it's more restful than Valhalla, which I thought was kind of cool. And I tried finding any statement on where Folkwagner was. And I couldn't actually find any solid statement but my suspicion, as a very underqualified scholar in this particular corner of the field, is that it was in Vanaheim rather than Asgard. Interesting. Mostly based on the fact that Freya is a Vanir instead of an Aesir. But prove me wrong, I dare you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, prove me wrong. I love that. And for those who didn't fall in battle... There's more options. Hel is the queen and goddess of Niflheim, and like Hades, has a place named after its keeper. Hel is the realm of the shameful dead, those who died of sickness or old age. Oh. Remember, there's no... There's no good or bad. It's there's just... no reward for virtue. It's either you died in battle or you didn't. Oh, I kind of want to die in battle now. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Of course, ancestor worship was important to keep ghosts from haunting the family. This was probably more of a problem if you had family who didn't die in battle. That they, because the ones who died in battle would be off doing something fun, whereas Hell and Niflheim are underneath the world and cl relatively close, so the hauntings are possible. And shameful dead, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you, you aren't doing something to help out your ancestors, 
the shameful dead will bring you shame and discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's a problem, I guess. I mean, they know where their priorities are. They wanted you to fight in battles. Yes. Um, when all is said and done and Ragnarok is a distant memory, its survivors will live in bliss in Gimli, a sacred hall in the heart of rebuilt Asgard. I thought it was interesting. I decided to look up more on Gimli, and I found this cute little entry that popped up in my Google search on on Wikipedia, there's a town, or was a town, called Gimli in Manitoba, but it was unincorporated about 20 years ago because shrinking population, but they still have a strong Icelandic tradition there. Aww. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I don't think, just knowing Manitoba, I don't think people lived in Bliss there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the... the the long distant future world of Gimli has got to be a lot more fun than Gimli, Manitoba. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to touch on this next section, mostly to lead up to the section after. But there is a, just like Greek and Roman, there is Germanic neo-paganism or Norse revivalism, whatever you want to call it. Basically, people who practice this religion today. I don't have a ton of notes on it because that's what it is. They practice the religion today. They yeah. believe in the gods. They do feasts and sacrifices. Again, much like Roman, they're not slaughtering cows or pouring bears. And, uh, yeah. They, it was re-recognized as a religion in Iceland in 1972. So fairly recently. Yes. Uh, there there were some theories I read that said it never fully disappeared, even with the conversion to Christian Christianity. And there's a name for it that I found called Asatru or heathenry. So this is basically, again, that neo-paganism practice. Um, again, Asatru is specifically focused on the Norse gods. Obviously, neo-paganism is a little more broad than that which is really important to say that there's this group of people and then there's a much worse group of people and and i mean unfortunately it can be hard to tell them apart just by looking yeah just by looking if you talk to them it'll and become a lot more obvious real quick so unfortunately <laughs> and this goes back to the night as you know it goes back to the early 1900s. Norse mythology symbolism um, has been co-opted by white supremacists. And I think we would be uh, remiss not to mention it in this episode as much as it's gross. So th these people don't practice a revival faith, but are using the symbols for their own racist purposes. It stems from the false belief that Vikings somehow had racial purity which makes no sense because they were Vikings and pillagers and they absolutely transported humans, um, bought and sold slaves, had concubines, were merchants, got married. Did they travel as much as we did now? No, but they definitely traveled. Racial purity was never important to them as a, as a seafaring people. That's, that was not the reality at all. <laughs> yes. um, so again, I want to be super clear that if you're not, not every neo-pagan is a racist. <laughs> um, and that if you're actually practicing the faith, 
that it's different. That it's different. You wouldn't. <laughs> Thank you, Preston. Like, I don't understand my notes. Yes, it's different than being a tick. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. The swastika pretty famously became the symbol of the Third Reich. And there's there are a lot of different peoples throughout the world who have used very similar symbols. A lot of people like to point to how the swastika was used among the Indian people. But the Nazis found their power in the swastika specifically as it's related to Thor. Yes. And then, I mean, there's two other symbols that can obviously, or sorry, that get um, used a lot. So Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, is a really popular hate symbol. But it's but... also a popular symbol for people who just believe in individual personal power. Yes. And if you're a follower <laughs> of Asa True, then absolutely. And so I also want to be clear that this is like the stylized Mueller, not like literally Thor's hammer from the MCU. Right. So that that one's fine. If you see someone with an MCU Thor hammer, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so on its own, again, it's it's not necessarily racist. Often, if you are a white supremacist, you'll incorporate things like swastikas and other hate symbols into the hammer. The Valnut is another symbol. It's kind of... I don't want to say it's pretty because now it's a hate symbol, but it's this like Celtic knot symbol. Uh, and it means the knot of the slain. So we have Valhalla and we have the Valnut. And it's, the meaning behind it is that the, that the person who bears it or wears it is willing to give up their life for Odin. So again, it's not like inherently racist. So context is key, but it is, you know, uh, like a red flag for sure. And then on that point, we have the soldiers of Odin here in Canada, which are... Um, uh, Hate groups sad. are a problem. They're a problem, and they use a lot of this imagery, so... If you're making hate groups feel comfortable in your space, maybe you need to change something that you're doing. <laughs> yes, and I think it's also important that we... You know, even in our podcast, right, that we educate that these symbols are out there and that that they do, unfortunately, have multiple meanings because some of these gross people fly under the radar because it just looks like a Celtic knot and nobody knows and except for other white supremacists. So take back the Valnut. Take back Mjolnir, Mew Mew. <laughs> yeah. This world is a, a wonderful, diverse place, but some of this diversity is kind of gross. Let's punch Nazis. <laughs> uh, yeah, fewer Nazis would be great. <laughs> I uh, I read a post today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it basically said if you have 10 or 11 people at the table and one of them's a Nazi, then you have a table of 11 Nazis. Yeah, I've seen that going around. I like that one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, punch Nazis. Right. All right. Well. Can you put <laughs> a nice bow on this press? And I made it sad. I didn't want to. <laughs> it seems like, as I look at what's going on in this religion, it's the, the old custom, as it was called, that really, it's not really hyper-focused on worship of gods for any long-term goals though there is thoughts of the future and there is acts of worship it's mostly about 
making your place in the world comfortable for you, which some people's standards is a little unpleasant. But for others, it's about being happy, which is ultimately the goal of life. And if your joy is to enjoy great times with friends and die in battle, then there's a place prepared for you according to this tradition. And that's that's pretty cool, I guess. I like it. <laughs> the philosophy is something I can get behind, that independence is important and wisdom comes from getting to know what's around you. I like that, too. Yeah. And that's part of our mission. Yeah. Get to know what's around you. Get to know what's around and you. And your life actually can improve because of that. Mm-hmm. You know what else can improve your life, Preston? Some merch from the Holy Watermelon store? On Spreadshirt? Why, yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm glad I'm reading your mind. What if merch isn't for you, though? Oh, How else could you pursue happiness? By supporting our mission on Patreon. Oh. Or connecting with our community on Discord. Oh, or Instagram, or Facebook, wow. or YouTube. So wow. many options. And all of these are different price points for every budget. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like something we say, Discord's a great place to let us know. We can talk about it. Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right, yeah. So do some of those things. Share our podcast. And peace be with you. By the late Middle Ages, the Christian prophecy had fulfilled itself.